You've started your business. You've won your first client. Should you have a contract? How big a contract should you have? Should you hire a solicitor to write one for you? Do you define it? What do you do when you win your first clients? The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur, live from Oaxaca. Well, it's not live. You'll be listening sometime later, uh, but we're live. We are live now. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be alive then. Welcome back to the show, Christina. This is going to be fun. And you have a subject for today you'd like to talk about. I do. Tell me. I'd love to talk about contracts and boundaries, setting boundaries in your business, setting expectations and other general, I guess, communication expectations for clients. Yes. Contracts and boundaries. And well, I guess I'll start off with an idea for you. And the idea is the size of the contract you need is directly proportional to the amount of trust you have. So the lower the trust, the bigger the contract, (laughs) the higher the trust, the simpler the contract. So quite often when people are starting a new business relationship, they like to have a contract, they like to have lots of detail, they like to have all these clauses and paragraphs and all the different bits. And that's because we don't know each other that well. Like I need to spell this out. Whereas if you've been doing business with someone for a while, you know them really well, like one of your existing clients. So if you can think of one of your existing clients that you love and they ring you up and say, can you do a photo shoot? How much of a contract do you need? It all depends on the client. (laughs) There's the answer. It depends on the client, the trust and defining how much you need to define. So a contract helps you to spell out the details and to work out exactly what you want the details of the deal to be. I worked with Microsoft for about 10 years running presentation skills courses. How big do you think my contract was with them? I mean, they're trustworthy, but I didn't it's have also... one. Oh, you didn't have one? No, it was that an email. Wild. I'd email the guy and he'd say, I'd like to book a presentation skills course. It was My yeah. course was called Coaching for Presence, mm-hmm. help them to have more presence. Yeah, I'd like to book it. I'd send him one back saying, here's the price and the date. Can you confirm yes? His yes by email. Like that's a written contract. Yeah. He's written to me, he said yes. And then we booked it and that was it. That was my entire contract. I trusted them to pay. They're not really going anywhere. And that was it. That was all I needed because it was the date and the time. He knew what I would do. I would turn yeah. up. I would teach them presenting skills for two days. And then I would leave. So it's very, very simple. Very simple. Whereas other clients, we had a, a very large scale contract to deliver rebel business schools across the south of England in disadvantaged communities with the housing association. Uh, That contract was European funded. And that was, I don't know, 40 pages of detail. And it's really fascinating. And what's really interesting is the contract never actually tied up to what went on in real life. Never tied up. It's very difficult to follow. It's been the bane of Henry's life. Yeah, so the contract, like, so then we're getting to what's the purpose of a contract? 
The purpose of a contract is to, I guess, make sure that no one gets screwed over or that you your project doesn't spiral out of control and take way more time and effort. You know, sometimes like with what I do, I get revisions and edits. So it's like if you put in there that you get to look at it and then you get a revision or two revisions, then that is that instead of this like endless, before I was defining that, I would get some people would just be this endless, like, I don't know, can you tweak this, tweak that? But now they go into it knowing that they have to like be intentional. Yeah. They can't just go like for the next two weeks, which actually eats up a lot of my time. And then you also want to, when you're done with something, you want to kind of put it to bed so you can focus on other things. So that's been helpful for me. Because I think the word contract has a lot of baggage that comes with it. If I say the word contract to you, what's, what do you envisage? What do you see? I just, I see it as an agreement and that I know it feels professional to me. I don't know. I like that things are defined. And that's the key. It's a simple definition of here's what I will do. Here's what I expect of you. And here's the like payment piece. This is what we're agreeing. And it does help to have a little bit around the payment terms. I expect payment to be by this or upfront or after 30 days or whatever it is so that everyone knows where they stand. And I think the distinction I want to make is between a very formal contract that you might get a solicitor or a lawyer to write, which has a lot of legalese Mm. and is difficult to read, and more of a business contract, which is... I will take X photos, you will get X items, it will be delivered by X date, you get three revisions, two revisions, I expect payment to be made by this day or this day, and that's it. Do you agree to these terms, to these conditions? If so, sign reply by email saying yes. Like, it's very defined. We know what you're doing. You know what you expect of them. And I think this is the piece people, small business owners always forget to put this in. Mm -hmm. What do you expect of your client? We had this problem. I never wrote what I wanted them to do. And I would say, okay, you need to market the course. And they go, okay, we need to market the course. And I remember one particular rebel business school, this particular housing authority, housing association, they went out to market the course they put it on Facebook once. And you know what Facebook's algorithm like is like. Yeah. No one saw it. And they felt they had delivered on their end of the bargain by posting once on Facebook. And then they told us it was our course's fault that no one was interested. And I had to say, well, like, you haven't marketed it. You have. You put it on Facebook. You haven't. You haven't sent out enough. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. And then we've got to, okay, the next client, having had that learning, what I expect from you is a post a week on Facebook. I expect this many messages. I expect direct emails to your residents. Here's my expectation of what marketing means. But I would never have even known that was a problem until I've done my first one. And part of the process is every time you have a client, you learn something goes wrong, (laughs) something happens, (laughs) and then that goes into your contract that says, this means this, this is what I'm doing, this is the date, and then by the next one you get better, by the next one you get better, and then after you've done 50 clients, you're like, I've seen pretty much every problem that can come up, it's all there in front, I've spoken about it, they know what they're getting into, and it runs smoothly. 
but it's kind of building up that stuff. And I think that's yeah. different between a legalese contract and uh, maybe you don't want to call it terms and conditions, but uh, like, here's what you're buying. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. Here's the the thing. Does that kind yeah. of make sense? Yeah. So not it doesn't have to be too, too elaborate. No. You want me to forward you one of mine? You can see. Oh, we can have a look. Christina's going to forward me her contract right now. We can have a look. Because if you send someone a five-page contract, what's their first reaction to it? Oh, look at all this paper. And I have, me personally, I have a physical reaction when that stuff comes through. And I go, I don't want to read this. I don't want to do it. And actually, it can become a big problem. And talking specifically about a photo shoot, I... The photos for the podcast that I used for season one, I'd set up a, a photographer to do the photo shoot. We'd met for coffee. We'd had a chat. She told me the details. And then we actually met for the photo shoot. And she arrived on the morning of the photo shoot yeah. with a contract I hadn't read and said, you need to sign this. And she had it in like triplicate, one for her, one for me, and one for whoever. And I sat down and read it. And... It was, the language was flowery, it was difficult to read, Mm -hmm. and some of it was directly in contradiction to what she'd said in the coffee meeting. Now, she was her first, like one of her first contracts, but I tell you what, that put us on a back foot on the day of the photo shoot. I was in a bad mood because I had to say to her, like, I am not signing this contract as it is. Like, this paragraph, this paragraph, and this paragraph are a no-go for me. Then you're kind of saying, well, we'll either cancel the shoot or are you going to do it with this level? That's an awkward start. Yeah. And it took a bit of time to get over that. So if you do contracts wrong, it can actually stop people from wanting to work with you. So you forwarded me your contract. Excellent. So the project, two separate still photo shoots, description, love it. Client is need of photos, client needs this. Service and deliverables, cocktail shoot, atmosphere shoot, costs and turnarounds, approximate number of images, how it will be downloaded, unless otherwise required, terms and conditions, pricing value for 30 days from proposal date, working days are considered Monday to Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely put... Yeah, something like that. My working yeah. hours are this. Don't expect me to reply at the weekend. Resp- I have people that text or email me at 11 p.m. and go, well, what, why didn't you respond? I'm, it's in the... You know, because I, I learned. I don't want to be... Always The whole on. point of me working for myself is, you know, living a life I enjoy. And part of that is not being bothered <laughs> in the middle of the night with... <laughs> so I think this yeah. is fantastic. You've got some great bits... Uh, I think is actually really key, the bit you've got here about what the client wants. Mm-hmm. So you've had the initial chat and then you can actually write in there what I've heard from you. You want this, you want that. This is what I'll deliver. That's really key because when they get this and read it, it gives them an opportunity to say, that's not quite mm-hmm. what I meant. This is what I meant. Yeah. And actually the contract can be quite an easy way to start the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I guess, actually, when you're thinking about it, so if you're listening to this right now, what I would be asking you is, what are the biggest pain points you have with clients that could be eliminated by discussing them up front? Mm-hmm. So what are the biggest pain points for you working with clients, Christina? When's it gone wrong? What's been the problems? Biggest pain points, I think, overall is 
I guess just, yeah, understanding what they want and how much they expect. Like, you know, it's some people, you know, like until you set indefinable terms, like this is what the shoot is about because people come to me and say, oh, I want to shoot. And I go, okay, well, would you want me to shoot? Oh, I don't just, just, you know, just this thing. And I was like, okay. So then once you start writing it down and they go, oh, really? That's not the thing. And if they're really wishy-washy, I'll send in the proposal. I'll actually do a page of like sample images or, or things that I think fit what they've the aesthetic or the atmosphere they're looking for. I love that because then you can say you will get X number of images and this is kind of what I'm thinking they will roughly look like. Yeah, and I'll just, I mean, sometimes I'll even just pull stuff from the internet or pull even textures and colors based on what we talked about. And then that gives you a really good way for them to go, oh, no, no. And so it saves us a lot of drama later. So that's one thing is with some people, it's even defining what they want because they don't know what they want. But then after you've taken photos... They all of a sudden know that it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Well, it's easy to say what you didn't want. Yeah. It's very difficult to say what you do want. That's human nature. Yeah. But it's only when you've seen it. The challenge is then they're going, well, actually, none of this is what I wanted. What I want is this. You have to do it again for free. Like, "Mm, no, (laughs) we did a deal. Here's the deal. If you want to do another photo shoot, we can do, which is very good to have those distinctions in there you are booking me for one day here's the deliverables here's what it is yeah if you want other photos that's absolutely fine i'll send you another contract we'll do it again and then also amount of images because there's people that operate in different ways some will just send you all the photos which they really shouldn't do for you know for this kind of money to send you 500 photos from a shoot is like too generous and also half of them are not good are garbage and so then you don't want people posting stuff out there it's not your best so like you know i always call it down to whatever number the top i've set images and then they know okay well this is how many images i can expect to get from this and i tell them like this doesn't include photoshopping it includes universal edits which are just you know fixing color making everything like kind of look pretty but not like, oh, I'm, I don't like my nose today or... I don't... Have you had that? I've had I don't like lot. my nose today. I've had a lot of people who are just like, oh, can you like say an arm? Oh, I don't like my arms. They're fat. Can you make them smaller? Okay. Send it back. I regularly oh, feel that about my again? belly. Yeah. The belly's one. <laughs> but I very ever rarely I'm say... Like, I'm like, it's you. Just rock it. You know? Just, but, you know, you do get that. So... So I just now I said like if it's anything more advanced Photoshop, that's an additional fee and we yes. can discuss. Absolutely you know. willing to do that. Let's discuss what you want to do. Yeah. Which is really good that you've managed to notice that people ask for those edits and now you can put it in that this is additional. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Because it's not only a lot of time that goes into it, but a lot of skills. Yes, I would not yeah. know how to reduce my belly in a photo. <laughs> that would not happen. I would need someone to help me with that. Um, but it's these kind of things that need to go in the contract, which you've got costs and turns around. I mean, maybe there's even a section of what this doesn't include. What it- I am missing is licensing, because that's something I only really learned about recently. But if you are in the, if anyone out there is listening and you create imagery or photos, make sure you learn about licensing. And protect yourself because uh, what I learned is that even though you're taking the photos for someone else, uh, you retain the copyright. Yeah, you own the copyright yeah. to that so you photo. Define upfront 
where they can use it for how long, etc. So most of the photos I've ever bought are for the podcast or my wedding. Mm -hmm. And I definitely got proposals through for the wedding that were, you only get so many photos, you don't get the rights to use them here. Mm -hmm. And I immediately scrubbed those off my list as photographers I would work with because I'm like, these are my wedding photos. Just, I don't care, send me the lot. I want my wedding photos. And I went for the one that was like, we'll just send you the CDs with the photos on. Yeah. And we'll give you, like you said about the edited ones, the nice ones. Mm -hmm. We'll give you the top whatever, but then you just have all of the photos to use. And I think it's really interesting because some customers will react badly to licensing. Some customers, like if you're working for high-end corporate clients, they expect it. That's the way business works. And again, it depends on what you're doing. If I was doing weddings or engagements, yeah, I would send because people want all those little moments and the little like you know maybe you caught aunt gertrude like laughing at a joke or and her face looks a little bit funny and it wouldn't go in a normal thing but actually to us aunt gertrude laughing funnily is brilliant so it all it also depends on what area you're working in but i'm working for a lot more commercial clients or or businesses um Um, this one for example is for a small business so i know that you have to be fairly generous with the photos and with the licensing and because they don't have the budget for, you know, and they're also not using it as a big commercial ad. They're using it for social and websites and that type of thing. So you have to know what areas you're working in and what makes the most sense for those clients. Which then as we're working for the commercial and corporate ones, we need to start to understand how they've done things historically, how other contracts work and what happens. Because you can be leaving a fortune on the table if you just give them all the rights and sell it to them as a one-off thing. And also, didn't you say one time that they almost sometimes can be weirded out if you're too inexpensive? Oh, definitely. (laughs) They're like, why are you charging me this price? What's What's going on? I normally spend X with this person over here. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. Are you an amateur? Are you an actual professional photographer? Is this a trick? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And this, a lot of defining the things, I would actually define what you're doing no matter what level of business you're at Mm -hmm. but in terms of the contract stuff it gets more important the higher the value of the contract and the bigger the client and especially if the person hiring you is not the one you're going to be working for i don't know if you've had this yet but the head of whatever hires you and then passes you down to the team to do the piece of work with them Mm. What you've agreed with the head isn't always communicated down to the next level. And that has bit us in the behind many times. Mm -hmm. And you then have to go back to the head and said, we agreed this. But by the time you've done that, like you've lost trust and relationship with the people you're actually working with and it becomes painful. So it's very, very important in corporate structures to have clarity and visibility of contract and ideas when you're working at those different levels. In that case, would you immediately, when they're like, oh, thanks, we hired you, here's the person you're going to be communicating with. Would you then to that person be like, oh, here's the contract we have. I just want to review if there's anything. Would you just set a meeting and send it to them immediately up front and make sure you're on the same page? Well, definitely. If the boss has signed it uh, and then they've just passed it down, I would definitely send them that. Or I'd actually, like, if they've handed me off, I'd send it to both. Mm-hmm. and say, thanks so much for the business. Here's the contract. Let's set up a call with Jane or Dave or whoever it is to chat it through. 
and then I get straight on the call and organize it and go through the details. But it's that clarity of communication which just gets missed sometimes. I know I do it because I've had a fantastic conversation with the person hiring me. I think it's all good. But that doesn't mean the person that you're working with knows what you even talked about in that meeting. Yeah. And I can pretty much guarantee that the person you spoke to in the meeting will have not communicated everything you said to the other person. You're pretty much 100%. That's a really critical one. So those of you listening to this who are doing business to business, like sharing your contract with all levels of people so they know exactly what's going on, what you've committed to, which is why I'm a big fan of doing it in email and having it as light as possible, which is like, here's what I committed to, here's what you've committed to, Mm -hmm. and then everyone can see it. It's all in an email. It's all there. It's all searchable. And if you ever have a problem, you can always go back to it and say, look, here's what we agreed to at the start. If you want to change that, that's cool. I'm absolutely fine with that. We'll need to change the price. We'll need to change the time scales, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really important bit for small business owners about being flexible because it's okay for clients to ask for changes. What it's not okay is when the client asks for a big change and doesn't expect to pay for it. And there's a name for this. It's called scope creep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yes. Yeah. It's it's so common that there is a business name for it. And scope creep <laughs> is, I'll buy you for the minimum package, but I'll start asking for the medium package immediately. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get a bit further in and go, oh, can you just do this? Can you just do this? Can you just do this? And then eventually you're like, well, I'm doing the full package for the same price as the minimum package. And they have scope. They've crept. It creeps up on you. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, yeah. now I'm doing a fortune. Now I'm doing all this stuff. But you can't blame clients either. Why would it's, they not ask? Yeah. And if you don't say no, it's hard to say. It's hard at first. It gets a lot easier. <laughs> but it's hard to say well, let me send you over a new proposal or that will be this much additional uh, because you're like, oh, what if they what if they just decide they don't want to do it? They go somewhere else or this, you know, it's hard to... It's Which is hard. actually unlikely if you're there in person. Yeah. So if you're there face to face and they say, can you just do this? And you go, well, okay, absolutely. It's not in my original proposal. It's a lot of extra editing work. I'll charge you $100 extra or whatever the price is. If they've got you there... It's very unlikely they're going to say, oh, no, we'll hire a different photographer, go through that whole project again to get there. Very unlikely. But I understand it's the nervousness. It's like, I just want the business. I literally had this happen two days ago. Did you? Yeah, I had an email. When you doing a photographer with me two days ago? Uh, No. Was it me who did it? Well, we were at the (laughs) pool party. Photos already done. Contract paid. Email. Oh, would it just be part? Did we do this? No, we didn't have enough product to do this. Well, would it be possible to just manipulate it to look like this? And what about this? And I was like, both of those things are very possible, but they are, you know, advanced Photoshop and they do cost additional. I said, would you like me to put together a proposal? I haven't heard anything, so. No, and sometimes people are just being cheeky. They're like, could you just do this? And they'll try their luck. And it's their prerogative to try their luck. Like, it's okay. And I think this is a very key message for anyone in business. It's okay to ask and it's okay to reject. Mm -hmm. They're not being bad by asking the question. 
they're doing what they should do, which is negotiate, ask for what they want. And you're doing what you should do, which is say, yes, of course, mm-hmm. it'll be this price. Sometimes, like, just as an idea, instead of saying, would you like me to put a proposal together, mm-hmm. that then becomes a formal business thing and be, yeah. can be tough. My response is, yes, of course, the additional cost is X dollars. Yeah. Reply saying, yes, I'll get it done. And then all they have to do is reply saying, yes, Mm -hmm. there's no barriers to you writing a contract, them sending it back. We need to make it as easy as possible for these people to say yes, rather than putting any barriers in the way. And I know what you're doing it because you're like, I don't want that extra bit, but actually they're offering you extra work. Well, in this case, I'm pretty sure... They didn't want to pay it either way. And I was pretty sure I <laughs> they didn't want to do the it. They were going for the cheeky request. This was a, yeah. This was kind of like, I've, I have some clients that I know, it's like, I'll be like, okay, it's this much. And they're like, okay, sure. Yes, they like just this, say yes. The, the contract you were looking at actually had one of those like the day before. They're like, well, what about this? How much would that be? And I'd be like, oh, it's this much. And like, let me ask my boss. Okay, he says yes. He says yes, done. So they, something like that, easy. Uh, but this specific one, I was like, ah. <laughs> it's okay if we don't do this. <laughs> Which sometimes you do actually want to put barriers in place. Mm-hmm. If you don't want the business, then hike up your prices, say you'll send them a contract, change things. And that's one way to put people off. And you will either A, win the business at a price you're happy to do it, mm-hmm. or B, you won't win the business. And that's also a win. Yeah. So I think it should always be a win-win for you. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't win it, it's a win. It's a win yeah. because then you have time to do other work that you are happy with, that you are focused on. Yeah. And there is a price sometimes that you go, well, okay, like if they're going to pay me that much, I can have fun doing this. And you go for it. And if they're not, you're also happy with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the clearer and the more upfront we are with the communication, the easier it is to work with people because mm-hmm. then you kind of get to the stage where they say at the end, can you just do this? And you can say, of course, it was in the contract and I'm happy to do it. It'll cost this. But if we haven't had that conversation up front, sometimes they think, oh, it probably is included. I must have paid for that. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So what are the biggest challenges you've had with clients? What are the biggest problems that have come up asking for extra editing have you had any payment terms issues or i haven't had any payment issues which is really good cool every now and then there's one that lags or it's a corporate structure that is slow to sign off slow to deliver yeah that always happened actually the bigger the client the slower they are to pay quite Mm -hmm. often because they have like Um, net 60 or this or that like which i mean it's it's fine because i i kind of know it's something i have the conversation I'm like what will work for you because it's fine if we do net 30 net 60 i'm set up in a way that i don't need that money right away but i like to know so that when i can kind of keep it on my radar and make sure that it's not gotten forgotten the fascinating bit about that stuff i used to work for a major electronics company out of japan the mm-hmm. uk distribution arm and i remember being at the annual conference and billing had worked out there's the money that's coming in and the money that's going out mm-hmm. and the money that's going out to suppliers if we could pay every supplier on average one day later it was worth a million pounds in interest to them wild 
It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> so they're like, if we can pay people 31, 32, 30, because the numbers yeah. were so big for a client, an organization of that size. Yeah. They're like, well, we can keep that money within our system, which earns interest and makes money whilst it's there. So they were actively trying to press mm. suppliers out one, two, three days yeah. just to generate that extra money. And then... They were trying to get the money in quicker, one, two, three days. And every bit of the gap in the middle was extra money that would appear in their lives just by paying slower and getting money in faster. That's wild. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. So they will actively try and do that. And we as small organizations need to just chase them, just stay on top of them, just make sure the money comes in. Historically, something I was very bad at, Christina, I send my invoice off to Microsoft and then forget about it. And like, oh, they'll pay when they're ready. And you have to chase them three months later. They did, yeah. to be fair, they pretty often just paid on the day, but sometimes yeah. life gets in the way. Yeah. I try to have that conversation and be like, you know, what is the pay structure that works for you? Does it work for me? Let's define it. And a lot of times, like I have in many cases, I have on my contract the 50% deposit. Yep. But I will put... For certain clients who I've worked with before, I will waive that and I'll put that in there because there's trust. Yeah, there's trust. Exactly. But for someone new, especially it's the higher the trust, the less Mm -hmm. paperwork, the lower the trust with new clients, pay me up front, sign the contract, do all the things, then we'll get to it. And it's really interesting. Yeah. The quicker you can build trust, the easier the business is. Yeah. What we were talking about challenges the biggest challenges that you've faced with clients yeah payment not so bad thus far i think it's expectations you know and also i mean so now i I define the expectations and then they have their chance to say oh no well we thought we were going to get more than that or we thought we were going to get this or we'd really like it in this timeline and then we can discuss how that all can happen which is fine we can have a chat and let's work it out um and make sure but i think communication and time because sometimes I work for people that are also maybe they're in a, you know I work for a lot of people in the food and beverage world and they tend to work later hours sometimes because it's a their clients a night game live in the later hours yeah. yes so there's that kind of um like the times that they often communicate at and then them expecting you know and expecting really tight turnarounds or because maybe they didn't plan ahead and they're like oh I need this thing. Are you available tomorrow? Can you do it now? Can yeah. you come down tonight? Yeah. So my previous thing was, oh, yes, business. Oh, cool. Someone wants it. Ah, yes, I can do it. And then then you just end up feeling crazy. Which if it's a cool gig and you're sat at home and there's nothing on television and you're excited to do it, that's fine. Yeah. But there is a cost to it of you've taken on this extra work, which means you've taken on extra editing billing, organization, and all the pieces that happen afterwards. Yeah. And it's okay to rush and do it if you know that you've got the time in the next few days to catch up. Yeah. If you've already got a full schedule, sometimes you can actually end up doing the client a disservice because you rush, do it, and then you don't have time and you end up doing a half job. Yeah. And I've been there. I've done it. It's like I'll squeeze it in, but then I'm not doing a good service for them or me. Yeah. And it's, it's a disservice to myself as well, because all the other stuff we've talked about, like say the daily marketing and that, you know, then I'll be like, oh, well, I'll just, 
I'll push it aside and, and I'll do it later because I'm going to take this job. And then, then the next day turns into, well, they want to take turnaround on this. So again, I'll push the stuff I need to do to grow my business. I'll push that again. And you know, you just, uh, and before you know it, you haven't done it for a week and <laughs> because you just keep taking urgent stuff. And then those clients, you haven't set any expectations. So when they come back to you again, they always expect always that kind expect of urgency. Always expect it done on the day. You don't teach them to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we can go back to them and train them and yeah. say, okay, we had this emergency one. I'd love to have a chat with you. What have you got coming up over the next three months that we can schedule in. So you can actually use the emergency gigs to win more business afterwards. So I'd always go back to them and say, I'm so glad I could help you and rush this one through. Just to make it easier on your life, what have you got coming up over the next three to six months that I can schedule in early to make your life easier? That's a good idea. Because it's interesting, the clients that you fix their problems become your biggest fans. So if they ring up with a problem last minute and you can fix it and it doesn't mess up your world, they will love you for it. Mm-hmm. And then when you go back to them and say, like, I want to make sure I can help you. This doesn't happen to you again. Like, here's the plan. Yeah. They'll love you for it. They become your biggest fans. That's a good point. I like that. Well, generally, you know, I made this happen. What's coming up? What can we plan ahead for? What else do you think we might be going on? You know, here's some holidays that are coming up. Do you need anything for those? You could even go, do you plan your content ahead? Like, what's the big moments you've got coming up? And they'll just tell you what's going on. You go, oh, that's cool. So how about to make sure that you've got what you need when you need it? How about we book it in this date, this date? And you're already then into the cycle of booking in the next ones and helping them. And yeah, yeah, it makes it really easy. Good plan. Uh, For those of you listening, Christina is smiling at that plan. (laughs) I'm making... Mysterious eyes. <laughs> I think it's a good plan. Yes, I like that. Definitely, but actually, your simple two-page contracts with bullet points, I think, are excellent. Okay. I think it's really simple, and you're doing a great job as we go. Okay. It's just every time you have a client, you'll learn something new about doing it, and you'll have a new problem, and then we just add that in and just make it a little bit clearer, change yeah. the language, and sometimes it's having a combination of the contract has most stuff in it and some is in the email like the key points there is a bit that if you attach a pdf to an email sometimes people are lazy and they skim the pdf but they've read the email so you might want to highlight the key bullet points in the email and have the pdf as the backup like once you've signed the contract when do you ever go back to it you actually just read what's in the emails or what was discussed. Yeah. So having those key bullet points, here's the three or four things you need to know and the full details are in the contract attached, can actually make people's lives easier and they're more likely to have read it. There is a game here. People are busy. They don't like reading stuff. Mm -hmm. When I get an email that's three pages long from someone, I just, like, my head goes in my hand, goes, oh, (laughs) I've got to read all that and then I've got to reply in like it yeah. makes it really difficult you feel bad if someone sends you three pages and you're like okay sounds good <laughs> I haven't shown the care yeah yeah so like having that simple bullet points at the top can make it easier for someone definitely yeah so based on what we've spoken about today what do you think your key takeaways are on business boundaries and contracts I think a big takeaway is using urgent situations or perceived emergencies as 
teaching moments. An opportunity to help and then offer services in the future to avoid it happening again. Yeah. So using as an opportunity to have a conversation about, oh, what else might be coming up? How can we plan ahead? How can I help you make your life easy and get stuff executed? Yes. Here's the five holidays coming up. Do you need content for these five? I can help you do that and get it all scheduled. Yeah. Um, That's a big one. I mean, scope creep, I am aware of, but it's a good refresher. (laughs) Just, you know, make sure you, you just communicate. Like if they communicate, they really want something, you need to not be afraid to communicate back and say, this is what that will be. This is what this will cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not inside the current scope of the project. This will cost extra. Scope creep is going nowhere. It will always exist. And even with the best defined contract, it will still happen. You just need to be strong as a business owner and say what you want to do. And that's tough at the start when you're desperate for business. Yeah. I know when I was younger, I was like, I'll do anything to impress. Give me the business. (laughs) And then as you get a bit older, a bit more confident, you're more likely to say it. It's just having that confidence to say that wasn't in my original proposal. Happy to help. Here's the extra cost. Oh, expectations from the client. Like, what do I expect from the client? That's the other side because it's a two-way thing. This is not just what you'll get. This is what I want. (laughs) I had another one, much like your, you know, where it was kind of a multi-step thing. Like, I need your input. Here is some thoughts. I need your input to choose a a path. And then I have to do the thing and then I'll send it to you. And then, so there's like a multi-step, but it, it meant that they had to respond and then there was so much time after they, if I just said, oh, there's a week between each step, then what if they're just not doing that? All of a sudden they're like, well, why is the project not done? So I defined a week from when you give me Reply. feedback and yeah. yet a yes, no, that's when you can expect the next thing. That's lovely. Having a contingent timeline rather than a fixed timeline can be fantastic. Then there's no delivery by this date. There is, it'll be a week after you do this step and Mm -hmm. then it'll be two weeks after that step and whatever that flows, it will flow. Some people are surprisingly bad at getting back to you about the thing that they're paying lots of money for you to do. Yes, I've never done that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's challenging because someone asks you some tough questions Mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the answer to this. I'm afraid of making a decision. I don't mm-hmm. know. So I sit on it. And then eventually the contractor that I've hired rings me and says, what are you doing? I need an answer yeah. and talks you through it. And on the phone, I can make a decision. But when I've read their email, I'm like, I don't know what to respond to this. Yeah. <laughs> and so it happens. It's part of normal yeah, life. It's human behavior. You definitely, yeah, it's worth contracting for human behavior. I think those are the the big ones for me. Oh, and, and detailing when to keep communication a little more casual and palatable as far as highlighting key points in email and, you know, instead of it being a full-blown proposal, like maybe just saying, here's the add-on amount. Yes, no. Like, let me know. Yes, no. And I'll proceed. Yes. So Let's make it as easy as possible for people to say yes. And one of my favorite closes for an email or a meeting is, all you need to do is say yes, I'll take care of the rest of the details. I like that. It just makes it so easy for someone to say yes. And that's how it should be. It's like, I'm hiring you because I want to work with you. Just make it easy for me to say yes, and then we'll take care of all the details. It's one of my favorite closes. I learned it from Brian Tracy back in the day. And that's kind of a a sales thing in a way, but in a nice, easy way. 
because it's like you have to actually get the, the yes, right? You have to get a, a solid answer. But that's just saying like, give me a yes or no. Like, let's not leave this hanging. Give me the yes and I'll take care of it. Yep. And I will make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of like a wishy-washy, like, oh, are you sure? Are you good? Okay. Or just let me know when you're ready to go ahead. Yeah. Like that kind of wishy-washy, hope you like the proposal, send me a reply. Like, yeah. I very like wishy-washy. Don't mind that. I'm, yeah, I hate wishy-washy. Not a big fan of wishy-washy. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'll send the proposal and I'm waiting... Like, stop waiting. Make it easy for people to say yes. Yeah. All you need to do is say yes. Like, and then you can follow up and say, did you get the proposal? Like, anything you need changing. So when you're writing proposals, sending out contracts, make it as easy as possible for someone to say yes. And you take care of all the responsibility afterwards. Like, we'll make this happen. All you need to do is say yes. Then you can go back to them with the list of demands and the work they have to do after they've said yes. That's fine. Uh, makes it really easy. Yeah. There was a lot in that episode. Wow, that's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of contract stuff. If you're listening to this, here's the three things I want you to take away from this episode. Number one, the size of your contract is based on the amount of trust you have. The higher trust relationship, the less contract you need. The lower contract, the lower trust relationship, the bigger the contract you need. However, even in a high trust relationship, it is worth spelling out in an email, here's the three things I'll do, here's the three things I want, here's the cost. Clarity of communication is key and that will save good relationships because we cannot know what's going on in the other person's mind. You just don't know what they've heard. You need to spell it out afterwards. So even if it's a really good client, just having a very clear, here's the three things I'm going to do, here's what I need from you, here's the price, is critical. So never, never skip that step. It was very easy for me with Microsoft because it was, I will run the two-day course on these dates, here's the price, that's it. It was very simple, very easy. Didn't need to be a big contract. But when we first met, it was definitely more about defining exactly what it was and what we were doing. So number one, size of contract is based on trust. Number two is this clarity piece of exactly like, here's what I'll do and here's what I want from you. And I think that's one of the key things people miss out of contracts is what the client has to do. Because you might be doing something for them, but that's contingent on them doing something. You rely on them doing this or doing that. I had a friend who was doing wardrobes and that's contingent on you clearing out the wardrobe for me to put in the new one. Like I expect you to have done this, this and this before I show up to do the work. It doesn't matter what job you're in, that's really important. Yeah. And the final thing, don't aim to have legalese. Aim to make it sound like you and be nice. Like It's good to have clarity, but that doesn't mean you can't have your personality in there. I have a little bit of personality. We'll do this, this and this and we'll have fun along the way. Obviously, it's not a contractual thing that I will provide fun, but it will probably happen. Wait, you have personality not and fun? Much. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to have personality in this stuff and to have fun. And actually, it'll make it nicer for people to read. Like, that. oh, this person's different. It's not just a bog standard thing that's difficult to read. Like, it's okay to have personality, character, images. Like, it's good to make it fun. 
it should be a pleasure to work with you, even when signing a contract. So thank you for listening to the episode. Go out there, think about what your biggest challenges are with clients, and then start to communicate about those upfront through emails and contracts so that you can avoid problems for you and your clients. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.